0: You are locked on Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part
1: of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, it is a crossover edition of the Locked On Big Twelve, Locked On, uh, Locked On Horn Frogs, and Locked On Sooners podcast. As I am Josh Neighbors, it's Stephen Simcox joining me, and John Williams. Guys, we have a Big Twelve. Tournament bracket to preview. Some people argue this. Actually, when I actually want to ask you guys this first. Some people say conference championship week is almost better than the NCAA tournament, and I understand why. I'm not there, but do you guys agree? Steven, I'll go to you first. Where do you lean on this conference championship week or the first week of the NCAA tournament? No,
2: I don't agree, but I guess I see the point. Like, you get afternoon basketball on weekdays, which is fantastic. Um, generally there's a couple great stories of teams that probably shouldn't be in the tournament, but are making a little bit of a run. There's buzzer beaters. So I totally get it. But to me, nothing beats like Thursday, Friday of round, I guess they call it round two now of the NCAA tournament. But that, that opening weekend of games where it's just from 11 AM to 11 PM, you get great college basketball. I, I can't quite put it in that category, but it is a really good, like week long kind of feast of hoops.
0: Uh, John what do you think yeah I tend to agree I think nothing generates the buzz that the opening you know the, the real opening weekend of March madness uh, does like nothing does like no I mean not even UNC Duke at its height and the ACC generated at generates as much buzz as the NCAA tournament does in that opening week because you know everybody even the casual basketball fan the casual sports fan is tuning in because they're curious what their what their bracket did everybody's going to hooters on thursday for mm-hmm. lunch just so they can watch march madness and i mean as much as we love the big 12 and big 12 is a great conference this year and we've had a lot of really great games it's not going to generate that type of buzz people are not going to skip out on work to go to buffalo wild wings and, and and see what's happening in the big 12 tournament but they will the following week whenever it comes to march madness
1: yeah there's just something about it you know it's, it's about that that like you know uh, that kind of noon period you know the first day of the tournament uh you know, I, I love the fact that the NCAA tournament website added like that boss tab, you know, they have where it's like, you know, your boss is walking behind you at work and you click on the tab and it goes like a spreadsheet, you know, that, that, that kind of, it's just kind of the, the vibe and the aesthetic of that. It's great. Uh, before we get to the big 12 tournament guys, the awards today for the big 12 conference came out for the regular season for men's basketball. So your player of the year is Cade Cunningham. Your uh, defensive player of the year is Davion Mitchell. Your newcomer of the year is Mac McClung. Your freshman of the year is, no surprise, Cade Cunningham. Your sixth man of the year is Kai Jones. Your most improved player is Dave McCormick. Your coach of the year is Scott Drew. And then your first team, all Big 12, is Jared Butler of Baylor, Davion Mitchell of Baylor, Austin Reeves of Oklahoma, Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State, and Derek Culver of West Virginia. So the first place I want to start, though, is the player of the year. Um, I think this is a weird one. Jared Butler, in my opinion, should have won it. Uh, I also, and at the same time, I do believe there's an argument that right now the best player in college basketball is Cade Cunningham. So these two things are in my mind, and they conflict, and I don't know what to do with them. So Stephen and John, help me out. Stephen, go ahead and help me out here.
2: Well, I agree with you, Josh. And, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from. Like, Cade is the guy in this conference that can put a team on his back and get you a dub. And I I wouldn't really put anybody else in that category, but I will say Jared's been fantastic. He's the best player on the best team and their averages are pretty similar. And I do feel like if Butler wasn't playing with Mitchell and Teague and even guys like Flagler and Mayer weren't coming off the bench, he could average like 20 plus a game and put up similar numbers to what Cade is doing, but Cade's great. And I mean, I can't like, I'm not, banging the table here for Jared Butler I totally understand right. why people voted for him um, I just would have given the edge to Butler instead of cutting him because of just what he's done in winning time and as great as Kate's been I, I think Butler's the more polished better college basketball player
0: well you look at the last couple games for Oklahoma State and especially against Oklahoma Kate Cunningham really didn't have to do a whole lot in that game for Oklahoma State to come out on top. I mean, he hit some free throws down the stretch, hit a few buckets down the stretch, but was kind of quiet for most of that game. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma State was pretty well in control for a lot of it. But I, I tend to agree. I mean, the best player on the best team, you know, it, it should have gotten the award. But you, know, you never know how these voters are going to vote. And Kate Cunningham, he generates a lot of buzz for the conference. And he's likely, if not you know, the best player in the country, you know, he's probably going to be the number one overall pick. Uh, whenever the NBA drafts later this year.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Gabe Eichert, who, you know, I know John, you guys have had in your podcast, work with him on Big Twelve today at serious. And he, he made a good point of saying, you know, some people in the media just don't want to be on the wrong side of Cade Cunningham, you know, like going to the NBA and being this unbelievable player looking back and be like, yeah, they, they didn't give him conference player of the year. What the hell were they thinking? You know, and, right. and I, I, I kind of understand that part of it. But you can't go wrong with either guy. Yeah, Like you, you I mean, you really can't. And um, it both will be all Americans. No doubt in my mind, both those guys are going to be consensus, all Americans. And this conference, the depth is just unbelievable because think about this. Like we talk about the strength of Texas, right? You know, those three guards, neither of those, you know, none of those guards showed up on the first team, right? Mac McClung, newcomer of the year. Not, uh, not, you know, not a guy who was a first team, uh, you know, guy in the conference, Marcus Garrett, you know, one of the best defenders in all of the uh, entire country, you know, not in this list. Now, no KU guys on first team All-American, and KU is the number two seed in the Big 12 tournament. Th- just, I think this, these, these lists kind of speak to almost the depth of the conference. you guys agree?
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, for Kansas especially, not to have anybody as a first team player – it, it kind of speaks to their down year, but I mean, they're the blue blood of the conference as far as basketball goes. And if we want to ascribe that connotation to somebody. And so for them to not get anybody on a first team list or receive any awards, it just, like you said, it goes to show just how good this conference was this year, top to bottom. I mean, Baylor was the cream of the crop from start to finish. But, you know, throughout the year, you had different teams creep up as that number two team, you know, West Virginia at one point and you know, finish the season that way. Oklahoma at one point was second in the conference and Kansas has started making a run towards the end of the season. And so it's, it's really interesting that it's going to be really interesting to see how the tournament plays out, but yeah, incredible depth, just top to bottom.
2: Yeah, Josh, you threw up, you threw out a lot of good names there that could have gotten consideration also throw in like Miles McBride at West Virginia, who had a really good year. Um, Again, you couldn't go wrong with a bunch of those selections, but as John said, I mean, it seemed like, every week there was another team that you're like, oh, is this the second best team in the league? (laughs) And it's kind of wild that Kansas finished at number two, given that all year we've been like, well, they just have a talent deficiency and they're not what they have been in the past. But um, at at points, West Virginia looked great. Oklahoma State's playing as well as anybody right now. Uh, OU went on their run. So I just think the parity in the league is insane. And um, I really hope that the the teams that make the tournament – can make a little bit of the run and you know ensure that folks know the Big 12 is a, a great basketball conference and not just a bunch of evenly matched teams that kind of beat up on each other.
1: Yep. And down the line, I'll, I'll give it to you guys real quickly. Marcus Garrett is uh, you know, Marcus Garrett's second team, Dave McCormick, second team, Andrew Jones, Mac McClung, and Miles McBride, second team, and your third team, all Big 12, was Macy OT, Gracier Bolden, RJ Nemhard, Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey, and Terrence Shannon. Um, your first team, all defense, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Mark, (laughs) three Baylor bears (laughs) on that list, Marcus Garrett. And then, uh, Gabo Saboyan is on there, which is nice to see uh, him get some recognition, but that's, that's where we go to now the big 12 tournament and talk about how this thing shook out because throughout the season, you know, I mean, Oklahoma had a stretch where they were definitely the second best team in the conference. Um, what was it, John? Was it four straight wins against top 10 teams? Was that yep. what it was? Yeah. Four straight wins against top 10 teams. And they have this backslide as of late. And I'd say the Kansas State game was the one outlier where you kind of shake your head and you're like, that that just can't happen. But the rest of me were close games against against great teams of the conference. They find themselves playing Iowa State, which I actually think is almost a benefit. And, and here's why I say this, is that there were several times this year where Big 12 teams had easy parts of their schedule, and I think Kansas is the best example of this, that it let them generate some confidence, and it got them going. I think Texas had a run a little bit recently that might help them in the tournament. KU had one of those runs. It might be nice for them to get off and running in the first game of the tournament against Iowa State team. That is, they've not quit. I will say this. Uh, the, to me, the players are not the problem on this team. That, that is my evaluation of, of Iowa State. But, uh, John, just, you know, talk about the matchup. And, and do you think that maybe having that game on the first day, even though OU fell so far backwards now as a set in the 7-10 matchup against Iowa State, maybe it could benefit them?
0: Yeah, certainly an opportunity for them to springboard back into Big 12 title contention. But they're going to have to correct a few things. I mean, in those four losses, they had considerable leads in, in the second half of several of those games. I mean, 10-point uh, leads, at least in a couple of them, and they weren't able to close against Iowa State in two matchups they've played, Iowa State played them close. And so this is by no means a gimme game. I mean, they've got some guys on the inside that can give Oklahoma some trouble. And so if they, if Oklahoma and Lon Kruger decide they're going to run that small lineup and they're going to um, have uh, Brady Manic playing the center position, then they're going to have to get better at team rebounding. And they're going to have to get better at controlling the glass and controlling the inside of the paint because the last few games, they just haven't done that. And against Texas especially, they're really, really slow. To insert Kirk Lott, uh, who was their better defender, and actually got Tex- uh, Oklahoma back into that game against Texas. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what adjustments they've made, if any. I mean, they the thing that they can hang their hat on is that they did have leads in those games. Yes, they let them slip away, uh, but I think they can at least have confidence knowing that we play with we've played with every team that we've come up against, even in losses, and if it, even if it was a bad loss, we let a lead slip away. We still played with those game those teams. We hung with them. And we can beat them. I mean, they've proven that they can beat just about anybody in the conference. So, uh, you know, it it could be a good opportunity for them to springboard, get their minds right a little bit, and advance in the tournament, hopefully.
3: Hey, it's Steven from Locked on Horn Frogs, and we will return to this roundtable discussion in a minute. But I do want to tell you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a great website. It's a great place to get auto parts. And one of the reasons I love Rock Auto is it's a good place for me to go, who knows absolutely nothing about cars. But it's also a place that mechanics use do it yourself or use. If you like to work on cars, do projects, you can also use Rock Auto and get exactly what you need. They let you compare manufacturers, compare prices. There's more makes and models of cars than ever before and it can be confusing trying to figure out is this what I need? Is this what's best for my vehicle? Rock Auto will help you narrow it down they uh, make it much less overwhelming. Go to rockauto.com, and when they have a How Did You Hear About Us section, click Locked On so that they know that we sent you there. Reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Now back to my conversation with Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12 and John Williams from Locked On Sooners. This is our Big 12 Tournament
1: Roundtable. Steven, do you have any thoughts on this the first round Iowa State-Oklahoma uh, matchup?
2: I think you're right. I mean, it's a chance for OU to build confidence. And uh, man, Iowa State is a is such a weird team. Like they've taken teams of the wire, uh, but they just can't break through and get victories. Um, they obviously they're not very good in crunch time. And I just I, I feel like OU is is going to pull away and get this done, and feel pretty good about themselves rolling into a round two matchup. And I, if you're Iowa State, like. If they have the motivation to get out there and give it a go, God bless them. But when you just lose 18 in a row like that, um, I have a lot of trouble believing they're going to be able to get off the mat and, and put the guy a performance to get a victory.
1: Yeah, Steve Prohm uh, appears to me not long for Ames in that job. And I, it's, it's funny because uh, I took some Twitter hate for trying to get rid of Iowa State's football coach or greener pastures. Um, and, and now I'm trying to get rid of their basketball coach for not being good enough. So uh, I am kind of, I'm in both ways with Iowa state programs. One we'll thing about OU real quickly, John, I thought they were at their best against Texas, especially when they were sharing the ball. And I like, I thought that comeback was spurred on by a lot of good ball movement in the end of games. It appears to me that Austin Reeves feel like it feels like it's on him a lot of times to go and get the basket to make that play. I think that they, they need to focus on that attacking the right matchup and sharing the basketball because Lon is so good at attacking matchups, getting matchups and attacking them. I feel like that's what it's, uh, it's about for them, is not, you know, attacking the right matchup, not always going, you know, kind of go, going and being like Austin Reeves.
0: It's your time now. Yeah. And I think most people would tend to agree with that. And I think even Austin Reeves would agree with that as well. But Oklahoma just hasn't been consistent enough in the second half of basketball games shooting the ball. Uh, even you know some of their best shooters, like Emoja Gibson, who's really good from deep, he's been pretty inconsistent over the last week of, couple of weeks of the season. Uh, you know, Harkless is he's a streaky shooter. And then, I don't know, it's it's just it's hard to say because he'll, he'll, he'll share the ball. He'll dish it out to the open guy, but when they're not hitting their shots, then it's like, what do you do? Brady Manick is super up and down. We had mm-hmm. an otherworldly game against Oklahoma State, but they came up short still in that one. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just really hard to say. They, It's hard to know what the identity of this basketball team is. I mean, Austin Reeves can carry them, but it, they're at their best, like you said, when when he doesn't have to. When when guys are hitting their shots, that's obviously when they're at their best. But I think at times, you know, he gets a little bit in his head and he's like, well, nobody's else, nobody else is hitting, so I got to go create something. And, uh, you know, they do need to rely a little bit more on Davian Harmon to, to handle the ball for them in I certain agree. sets because – He's a really good creator off the dribble and he can get into the paint and he can finish as well. And I think that would take a little bit of the pressure off of Austin Reeves, especially in the second half of games. Uh, so we'll see what Vaughn Kruger decides to do uh, in the tournament.
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. I actually floated the idea of them starting Alonis Williams and, and putting Emojo on the bench, just to give themselves some scoring punch, you know, off the bench and maybe get Austin Reeves a break and then kind of allow emoji to, to facilitate things and see if that works Hem and Harmon, but uh, let's move to other first round game, TCU and Kansas State. And so it it seems like finding a scoring punch outside of RJ Nemhard and consistently doing so is the big issue for TCU this season.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, You know, it, it feels like if RJ or Mike Miles can't create in like isolation situations, there's really no plan B. Um, I really like Kevin Samuel as a post player, but they just they don't have the guards to give him good entry passes and give him the ball. And I think he gets frustrated um, when he gets down the floor and tries to get position and doesn't get chances and, and kind of checks out. But this has been really a problem the last few years for them is they rely on these guards so much to create and do everything. And they don't have great shooters around them. They don't really have players that can create their own shot. And it just turns into this very bogged down uh, predictable offense that struggles to, to score. And I mean, they try to grind out games, but eventually, you know, the other team will go on a 10 O or a 12 2 run. And then coming back from double digit deficits is, is real difficult for this group.
1: Yeah. What's funny about it is, you know, it's weird to think that in a game where an eight and 19 team is playing a 12 and 13 team, that the eight and 19 team is playing better than the 12 and 13 Mm -hmm. team. But this, that's kind of the deal here. Like Kansas state is is shown all kinds of fights. I mean, I, it's, it's been refreshing to see like that is, that's a group that in two or three years, they're going to be good because they're going to have started like 60 games. I mean, they're going to have junior kids, you know, they're going to have starting juniors who have played, you know, darn near 60 basketball games as college kids, and some of them started 55, 60 basketball games, which is going to be a, I mean, a great luxury for for Bruce Weber. So that team clearly far away right now, but Kansas State, I am, uh I actually am excited for in the future. A- does anybody here Do you guys agree with me at all? Is, is that kind of? I know that they play, no. they beat TCU and, and they yeah. played OU pretty tight too. Well, they, they beat they OU. Then. It's OU, yeah. BOU. They beat
2: OU. Yeah, they rallied and it started with that win in Fort Worth. Like that right. was a. That was a game where I was like, okay, is going to win. This is one of the few games that they just have more talent and they'll get it done. And they were up five with, like, three minutes to go. And K-State started hitting some threes and locked down defensively um, and turned things around. So credit to Bruce Weber. I mean, that, that crew could have thrown in the towel a couple weeks ago and nobody would have cared. But they, uh, they're playing well. And, I mean, obviously – Really, really tough matchup in round two, getting Baylor if they do pull off the win against DCU. But that would be a nice kind of hang your hat on season in victory, you know, in the Big 12 tournament.
0: Yeah, Kansas State's win against Oklahoma kind of came down to the same thing. Oklahoma was up by six with like three or four minutes left to play. And they they rallied and Oklahoma couldn't get stops and couldn't make shots. And, uh, yeah, Kansas State's playing pretty well. I mean, they lost by three to Texas back on the 9th of February. And, I mean, they're, they're playing decent basketball. I'm not going to say they're going to go on a run in the tournament, but yeah, they're, they're playing pretty solid right now. And so now we move on to because the, the, these
1: quarterfinals, guys, I mean, there, there's, you know, there's two matchups that we already have on the docket that are awesome. We might get a third that's awesome. You know, if OU wins, OU Kansas is going to be much watch TV. I'm, I'm super interested in that matchup. But here's the thing let's start with just the one that we know is going to happen in the lower part. West Virginia, Oklahoma State round three is going to be, a, I, I mean, that's, that's my favorite game maybe of this entire tournament that might happen because Oklahoma State just went on the road and beat West Virginia without Kay Cunningham, without Ice Likely, and this is interesting because I think West Virginia to me is the team outside of Baylor in the Big 12 that has the best chance to make the Final Four. And I think this because who played Gonzaga the best this year? West Virginia, who played Baylor the best this year outside of obviously the one loss against Kansas, which I, I mean I'm ready at this point to chalk that up to COVID because they look slow and they came out you know a couple of nights later against West Virginia and went to overtime on the road and won the game. So I think West Virginia is the most uh, the the group best outfitted to make a Final Four run, but they get to a rubber match on a neutral court with a team that each got each team's got a road win. So I'm, I'm so psyched this game. Do you guys share my enthusiasm? Steven, I'll go to you first. I do. Yeah.
2: And I agree with your sentiments about West Virginia. Like I I think they have a big and Culver that can, they can go to work. They got good guard play. They, they kind of play, they're not playing the press Virginia style they have in the past, but they still do play an up and down kind of wacky style that in a one game situation could get it done. And then on the flip side, Uh, I don't want to see Cade cutting him in my bracket either. Like, he's playing well. They got it done without him um, on the road, which is a pretty incredible win for that group. And I just think Mike Boyden's a really good coach. He's got that team feeling themselves right now. So that should be a a very fun matchup. And those are two teams that if they go on a run in this tournament, you could be looking at some uh, really good seeding possibilities because that'd be impressive if they even just, you know, made the championship game and, um played whoever it is probably Baylor to a to a close one
1: and John before you go there's something I want to mention because you brought up a great point that Cade was kind of quiet in that game against Oklahoma that manifested itself in a positive way against West Virginia when they went out there and didn't need him and they won I think the guys around Cade the supporting cast they've come together in such a great way that that you saw it on on I mean on Saturday They've got the horses to make a deep run that I think a lot of us didn't think they could make before.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And sometimes when your best player does take a step back and isn't trying to force everything and, and allowing the guys around him to make plays and, and he's just distributing the basketball and setting everything up, that makes everybody better. And he, he's been willing to do that. And I think it's a testament to him and, and really just the mentality that he brings to the table. I mean, he's a dog, though, right? Like, he, yeah. he brings a lot of, like, energy and a lot of yes. – grit to the basketball court but also he he plays with a lot of humility at the same time too he's not out there like i'm gonna i'm gonna handle the ball and i'm gonna get mine and we'll just see what happens no he's like hey it's not my night i'm not hitting shots i'm not getting opportunities but my other guys are like they're gonna trap me two on one that's fine i'll i'll kick the ball and and find the open the open man and i think that's what makes good players great you know is the guy that's willing to be okay with giving the ball up and and using the, the rest of the team to play, you know, four on three basketball. And, and I think that's what's going to make him really, really good at the next level is that mentality that he brings to the table.
3: We'll have some more of this roundtable discussion with uh, Josh neighbors from locked on big 12 and John Williams from locked on Sooners in a second. I did want to mention though, betonline.ag, one of our great sponsors. Um, they have all the latest lines and this is a great time to join betonline.ag because for the next couple weeks, there is going to be so many opportunities to make some money between conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament betonline.ag has everything you need they're experts so you don't have to be their online sportsbook experts they'll have the latest injury reports they'll know hey this coach does well against this team um, this is a, an upset to keep in mind betonline.ag it's a great website support the people that support us go to betonline.ag today now back to our big 12 tournament roundtable discussion
1: I think we should have known when, when the stuff, you know, when, when all the NCA stuff came down to Oklahoma state and he remained all in on Oklahoma state that, that this was a team guy, like he's two feet in. And the same way Zion had the injury and came back once Cades, like there's no thought about my future with this, you know, the ankle injury. I know it's minor, but like, it's, it's all in. He, you can tell and on, he's on the bench coaching the guys up. I mean, he loves this team and like every account of him is wonderful. I think all of us, you know, I think even you, as as a know you guy, probably is too. Like all us Big Twelve people are rooting for him at the next level, because yeah. we've seen him and like just the, I mean, what a great basketball player, college basketball player to watch. He's like everything that is great about college basketball in the modern era. Like he is the a one and done player who is all in on his team. And so as fans, like the one year Cade Cunningham has given us, I mean. How is your heart not full of joy watching this young man play basketball, guys? I just, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at on that. Uh, all right, let's move down the bracket. So Texas Tech and Texas is the other game that we have for sure. Now, the reason I want to touch on this is because I'm sure you guys remember this. Last year, this game was scheduled to be played during the, uh, during the Big 12 tournament. In fact, on the same day. This, it was a Thursday game, um, and it was canceled. Right. And you know, during that day, it was a huge game because it felt like the winner would go to the NCAA tournament. The loser would be sitting there on selection Sunday, asking a lot of questions about themselves, but how things went wrong. And in Chaka Smart's case, maybe out of a job if they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Fast forward one year and these two teams are in different spots. Um, obviously, COVID is I think no, no team in the conference was hit by COVID and didn't recover like Texas. They have not found that form yet back again. And I know, Stephen, you got the last look at them. You guys TC, you just played them. So they're starting to find that form, but they still are not the Texas that we saw earlier in the year. No, they're definitely not. I mean, they are playing better. And
2: I do think kind of the softer schedule to close might help them as they go on the tournament, which is something you mentioned earlier, but um, it took them a while to put TCU away. And you know, we discussed the, the struggles the Frogs are having. You'd think with some of the firepower they have with that guard play, it would have been a much easier game for Texas. But they don't seem to have the same energy. Um, I mean, I think they're in a better place. But that's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about uh, them being one of the groups that hasn't completely bounced back from that off time because, you know, they were rolling and it looked like yeah, this is the number two team in the conference. Like, other than Baylor, they're the team to beat. And now it seems like they're kind of lumped in with a bunch of other uh, teams up at the top that on a given night could, could get things done.
1: And on the flip side, John, against OU, that was the good version of Texas. That was them putting it together, you know, and, and giving up a lead, which they've done a lot but actually responding, right? I mean, we saw them against West Virginia fit, have a damn near a fist fight in the sidelines between, you know, between Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones and then blowing a 19-point lead. They blew a lead and then were able to respond and win against OU. And
0: that, that's the version they're trying to find here moving forward. And I think that was a huge win for them down the stretch. It helps kind of reinvigorate that confidence that they have in them as a basketball program to be able to hold on to that lead as Oklahoma's chipping away in that game. And Texas able to, you know, hang on, do what they need to do in that game to get the win. Uh, it, you know, they've got the, they've got good play on the inside. You know, Stephen talked about their guard play, but it was, the, it was the bigs on the inside that were giving Oklahoma trouble, especially in the first half until Oklahoma made adjustments and, and put in a, a more defensive style uh, center. And so it'll be really interesting to see. I think this Texas-Texas Tech matchup is probably one of my favorites early early in the bracket because Mac McClung really just, I do know, he's kind of like our uh, – I don't know, or Bobby Hurley of the conference, just the the all grinds. You know, not a lot of. I don't know. The he's Jr. He's,
1: he's more Jr. Smith to me. Okay, I feel like sure. he's, he's
0: going to give them. You know,
1: I feel like it's it's a roller coaster with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he but he is gritty too. I mean, watching him play is a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's just one of those players, and I guess that's kind of where I go next. You know, with with this guys is that, you know, Texas Tech is. To me, they got the best coach in the conference. I think this is a guy who's been coaching an NBA team one day, without a doubt. Um, but there is the th- it's weird, so weird to me because their group is always compiled of usually pretty good freshmen, transfers, and guys who have been there. And it's this, it's this balancing act of trying to put those guys together. Um, and I thought their first half against Baylor looked really good. And, of course, their second half didn't, but, I mean, Macy OT get 10 threes, so, you know, what are you going to do about that? But, but I do think there's times where it's, like, too
0: much Mac McClung. Like, mm-hmm. John, do you, do you think – do you see that at all? Well, I think you can do that at times with your high-profile players. It can mm-hmm. become a little too much. Like we talked about with Austin Reeves, uh, you know, if you're not getting the rest of the team involved, I mean, yes, basketball is kind of a star-driven game but you still got to use your guys and Michael Jordan still used his guys. Right. So yeah, I mean, Mac McClellan, he'll hit his shots, but he also needs to start recognizing, okay, when when I'm not hitting my shots, I need to be willing to distribute as well. Steven. Yeah. I just feel like
2: this tech team is typical under Chris Beard and that they're going to guard you to death, but they don't have the individual playmakers on offense to really get to that next level. And I like Mac, and I think he's solid and good. And I think Terrence Shannon can have his moments, but they just don't have that guy. um, And some nights it is Mike McClung that can carry you consistently on offense to make up for, you know, the fact that they are a grinded out gritty team. Um, They just don't have that player that's going to bail them out night in and night out. And that's been kind of the difference with this tech team as opposed to some others under Chris Beard.
1: Yeah. It's they, they remind me a lot of Kansas because Kansas found out a lot sooner than Tech did that, okay, we can't score. So the best version of ourselves is one that shuts everybody else down. Mm-hmm. Tech kind of found that in the, in the Texas game that was at Tech recently, where they were able to shut, you know, they're basically able to shut Texas down. And it's like, this is the best version of this Texas Tech team. And so I think it's interesting to see if, if they can use that moving forward in the turn the, the tournament. Here's what's interesting and just kind of a, from a broad perspective as we can look at this tournament, I think Baylor's going to win it. Um, Baylor just won. I mean, guys, the stretch that Baylor just played, they played at, at uh, you know, uh, they played at KU last Saturday, lose game, bounce back, and have to go all the way to Morgantown and win in overtime without Jared Butler, who fouled out of the game. They made their last six shots. They have to come home and play Oklahoma State, who by all accounts is the second-best team in the conference, Right now, and then come home and play a Texas Tech team that's playing pretty well, and they they blew them out of the water in the second half. I think everybody else in the conference has benefited from playing Baylor because now they can all say, "Who the hell are we going to play that's better than those guys?" I mean, who 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 is who is OU going to play that's better than them? Who is Texas going to play that's better than them? I mean, that's you know, it's kind of the beauty of Baylor, but you know, we assume that that because of conference rules normally. A lot of these teams are going to be away from Baylor in the NCAA tournament. So they can now basically say, look, no opponent we're going to face is better than, than these guys. Steven, do you, do you agree with this theory or am I blowing smoke? I think there's something to that. I
2: mean, yeah, they look like, I mean, you're splitting hairs with Gonzaga, but they look like the most complete team in the nation. And they're so deep. They can come at you in so many different ways. Uh, they're very, very good defensively. And they're just, they're just motivated too. Like, I think they're a really good team that has never been at this level before. Um, So they're not going to have lapses and off nights. I mean, aside from that comeback from COVID, they've really taken care of their business and hasn't been close. So I do believe, you know, some of the teams like Tech and Oklahoma State um, that push them a little bit, they got to feel like, Hey, if we can hang around for a half plus with that Baylor team, then we're going to have a pretty good chance against anybody else in the nation.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of it's just going to depend on seating. I mean, cause if, and, and some of these mid-majors, you just never know which of the mid-majors is going to jump up and, and go on that run. And so I, I think as good as the big 12 has been and as uh, talented as each of these teams are, they can't sleep on, on anybody because like we've seen the last half of the season, I mean, Anybody's been able to beat anybody in the Big 12. I mean, nobody's been really, except for Baylor, has been able to assert themselves as like the dominant team. Kansas has probably had the best run towards the end of the season. But yeah, they, they can't sleep. I mean, especially Oklahoma. I mean, you're on a four-game losing streak. If you get into the tournament, hopefully you do get into the tournament. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to sleep on anybody because you haven't been playing your best basketball. And I think a, a lot of the Big 12 could say that. Like every matchup's going to going to matter, and they they're not going to be able to take anybody lightly, even though they they've had the the benefit of playing one of the best teams in the nation in Baylor.
1: All right, guys. So let's get a couple predictions here before we get out of here. So John, I'll go to you first. What is your big 12 championship game who wins and who is your big 12 tournament MVP? So I can, I can go first and make it a little Mm -hmm. easier on you guys. All right. I can go first. My big 12 tournament uh, championship game is going to be Texas against um Baylor and, I, and I'm and going to have Baylor winning, but I, I think Texas is a, a neutral floor. I think they are better than Texas tech. Also, this is going to require Texas tech beating Texas three times in the same season. That is difficult, very difficult to do. Uh, I do not think it's going to happen. So neutral floor. I like Texas in this one uh, against them. And then also Texas is a nightmare matchup for Kansas, a nightmare matchup. Actually they're a nightmare matchup for Kansas and OU who are the two teams they could play because you know why Texas has size and those two teams, um, you know, relatively speaking, do not. Also Texas, uh, Texas variety is what gives Kansas trouble. They've beaten them twice this year. So I'm, I'm with um, Texas on this one. And then in the championship game, Baylor, I think out, out Texas probably wins by 12 points and I'll go with, I'll go with um, – no, I was going to say Mark Vidal. It's not possible. I want it to happen, though. We all want Mark Vidal to get some recognition. <laughs> for something. Uh, let's go with Davion Mitchell as your turn of an MVP. Uh,
0: let's, go, let's go with that. All right, John, you're up. Yeah, I think it's going to be Baylor, Kansas. I think Kansas is reasserting themselves as that team to beat in the conference. I think they're going to go on a run. And, yeah, it, it's going to be like it's supposed to be, Kansas in the Big 12 championship game, kind of like it was for Oklahoma in football during the fall. Uh, and I think it's going to be Jared Butler as the tournament MVP after Baylor wins the big 12 championship. Nice.
2: Yeah, I'll go, uh, I'll go Baylor Kansas as well. And I do have Baylor winning it. I feel like they're just, you know, I heard Scott drew after that tech game say that they've never won the big 12 tournament before. So this is just kind of another thing they want to cross off the list and uh, I won't copy John. So I'll say, I'll say uh, Macy Oteague has a, a big shooting weekend and ends up taking that MVP trophy.
1: You know, it's hilarious guys. Is that he is, is that, you know, the guys who recognize in, in the awards are Davion and Jared and the guy who wasn't recognized just scored 35 points and went 10 for 12 <laughs> from three. Yeah. And it's like, these guys are horrifying. <laughs> I mean, who wants to, I mean, th- this is why it's like, you know, I know everybody loves Gonzaga, but Bay- Baylor's just as good as they are. Like ju- they are just as good as they are. Um, one final question, guys. Who is the Big 12 team right now going into the NCA tournament outside of Baylor that you guys feel most comfortable about saying, yeah, Sweet 16, we're gonna see them. we're gonna see this team Sweet 16 and and possibly beyond that. Who is a team that you're like, I can get I I can not guarantee, but I can basically say pretty confidently they're a second weekend team. I'll go to Steven first on this one.
2: Yeah, I'll say Oklahoma State just because the way they're playing right now. Um, I'm going to go on a limb and say Cade plays. And I also feel like the tournament committee might uh, help them out with some seeding to make sure that Cade – you think plays. ratings
1: might go, r- ratings might go up with Cade Cunningham involved?
2: Yeah. You know, like John knows that year that Trey Young got in the tourney. I was like, oh, <laughs> you probably shouldn't have been in, but – we got to put Trey Young in the tourney. So I feel like they might, they might make sure Cade gets a good shot at getting to the second weekend.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. They're going to, they are going to find a way to make it beneficial for Oklahoma state and Cade Canahan. We actually talked about that recently uh, on our podcast because Oklahoma state should actually be, or is actually under investigation, but the NCAA is kind of sitting on that it seems uh, for tournament purposes, but we, won't talk about that much more. It's good for the
1: conference, John. It's It's good for the conference, conference, okay?
0: David and I, we are not uh, Big 12 uh, homers like uh, they are in the SEC or they'll chant SEC. We're not going to be chanting Big 12 (laughs) on the sidelines here. Um, But uh, I think for me, I'm going to go with West Virginia. Uh, They're just one of those teams that they've got – I don't know. They just – they have a lot of strong tools – Play good defense. They can score at times, and they've got they've got a good big. And you got to be able to you got to be able to play multifaceted in the tournament to be able to win. and uh, Just have a lot of experience as well um, on the sideline. And so I think it's going to be a team that is going to get to the Sweet Sixteen. And I, I you know here's a bold prediction for you. I think we're going to have four Big Twelve teams in the Sweet Sixteen. I don't who, know if it's that who, bold. Who are the four? Do you have ideas? ideas? Yeah, we go Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Okay. So I think it's going to be three, uh, probably. I think it's going to be
1: Baylor, West Virginia. And I think, I mean, well, one of Oklahoma State or Texas is going to make it, uh, in my opinion. So here's my pitch for Texas, is that there in theory, there is no place where Texas is weak. They've got good bigs. Well, they can't shoot free throws. That's the one problem for them. But it's, that's one. but they've got good bigs. They've got three really good guards. Like Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, and Matt Coleman are all three very good guards. And they've got an X factor. Greg Brown is an X factor for me. This guy's a five-star kid. He is a he is a classic stretch four. Like the definition when they created stretch four, Greg Brown's the guy. And there's some games where he scores two points goes one for you know eight and they can still win. But it they can be a fine they can be a Final Four team if he plays well, but he, he doesn't play well every single night. But can he play well enough to get the sweet 16? Yes, he can. So for the sake of being different, I will say uh, texts mine, but I'm with you, John it's West West Virginia is my squad. I, I, that's kind of who I'm, I'm trending towards here. All right, guys, it's time to plug our various outlets. So John, you go first, plug your, uh, your podcast for the folks who are on the lockdown horn frogs. We're listening via there. And then also uh, last on big 12.
0: Yeah, so you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Lockdown Sooners. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Facebook, Lockdown Sooners Podcast, and on Instagram at Lockdown Sooners. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams and my partner Dave Walker at D underscore Walk seventy four. Steven,
2: you can follow uh, Lockdown Horn on Twitter at Lockdown TCU, and you can follow me at Simcox Stephen, and you might say Stephen. Why is your last name first? Because I created Twitter when I was in high school and I didn't think anybody would ever have a reason to follow me. So there you go.
1: Uh, You can follow me at Josh neighbors underscore. You can follow the show at at L O underscore big 12 fellas. This was fun. I am psyched for this big 12 tournament.